0: Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan, and I've got a very special guest with us on the line, Lori, and I do not want to butcher your last name. How do you say your last name?
1: Krieg, as in the German war strategy.
0: Okay, nice. <laughs> Although I don't so, lo- know
1: if I need to be associated with that.
0: Lori Krieg. Well, see, because I would probably have pronounced it wrong because of where the I is in your name, right? I probably would have said Craig or I don't know. So Lori Krieg, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, listeners, we are going to get to hear from uh, from Lori in a minute because she's going to be able to share a really powerful story. We always love to have um, people's stories on our on our program because one of our core values here at our ministry is story because we feel like it is the best way to build bridges between lives. When we're able to tell our stories and be real, um, it creates avenues in which we can really speak into one another's lives in a way that's meaningful. But before we do that, just want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we are a listener supported broadcast. So the only way you're actually seeing us or hearing us um, is because we've just had wonderful faithful partners come along and we've been able to see the ministry grow and the reach expand into new countries um, and gain listeners in other parts of the world. And so, if you'd like to partner with us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, Lori, I, I want I want our listeners to kind of hear your your story because um, I, I think we have a lot in our a lot of people in our audience um, that might sort of have a uh, you know there there might be sort of two sides. Mm -hmm. to take to this issue of when we're dealing with same-sex attractions and the whole LGBT issue. So would you mind telling us just kind of your journey? And we all, and by the way, we always recognize that everybody's still in process, you know, so it's not as if when we share our stories, we go, hey, I've put a neat pin in where I am now and there's no more growth necessary, but at least share with us kind of where you've come from and, and where God has you today.
1: Yeah, definitely glad to do that. So, I was born to an amazing Christian family. Um, and it's like many, you know, born a Christian family sort of story, other than the fact that I have 11 brothers and sisters. And so. Wow. And number nine, we don't have names, just numbers, <laughs> uh, but ninth of 12, and it's so funny like meeting other big families because you automatically like, okay, what number are you? Okay, and then you, there's just this language that happens, and somehow like all the big families know each other. We just like- Well, run. like
0: how do you actually define middle child in, in that family, right? <laughs>
1: I know the birth order books, you know, that they're like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like the oldest, youngest, middle-ish. There's no book for for number nine. Right. Um, but I, I loved it having all these siblings run around and it was just like this, like joyful chaos. It's funny how even now, like when the, the level of noise and chaos goes up, I like get more Zen. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so born in this amazing Christian family, accepted Christ at a young age, but I also was born with what we call, we, it's called hole in my heart ministries and, you know, Augustine alludes to it. You hear it everywhere. Even the singer Sia has this like God shaped whole song she sings. Uh, But Augustine says how you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And Mm -hmm. so I had, like you, Jonathan, this God-shaped hole in my heart, but instead of it being like this ambiguous thing, that's just like, yes, you need Jesus, Jesus saves. Uh, But what we like to do at HIMH, that hole in my heart is actually name what's inside of there that God put these good needs inside of there. So pre-fall even that you see him, like needs for nurture and to belong and to have purpose and that he gave us jobs before the fall and people in our lives. And so those are good needs we have. Um, But like you, I was born post-fall. So Mm -hmm. I have this good need in my heart, these good needs. And for me, I call it my primary core need is this need to be seen. And so how God like, you know, you see him like seeing Matthew or you see him seeing Hagar, the God who sees me. Um, And I had that desire and maybe, I mean, some fruit of being number nine, but really no parent is perfect. and, And that was the one that was depleted the easiest. But because I was born post fall, I was born with a natural predisposition or natural orientation, if you will. To get these good needs of my heart met in ways that don't actually satisfy me and don't glorify god so few different ways that my natural default one is Mm people-pleasing am i okay okay now (laughs) or uh performing like getting a good grades a 4.0 and then you get you feel seen you know it's niche even though it's, it's not really where I should be focused on. It should just support as we look toward God. And then two, I believe I was born with this natural default because of the fall to get this good need of my heart met in sexual relationships toward women. So I was broken, born broken that way because of the fall. And so, you know, people get caught up in the nature-nurture argument. I'm just like, I mean, isn't it all both? <laughs> like, yeah.
0: You know, and the reality is, is because of the fall, both are broken, right? Nature and nurture. Uh, And and let's pause there for just a second, because before we go to the next part of the story, I think it's really important for our our listeners to understand how significant it is for them to do some of that self exploration to understand the need element, like the the goodness of what is part of design. But the brokenness that comes post-fall, like for instance, when you were talking there, it made me kind of go back into my own history of my, my recovery and realizing, yeah, you know what? One of the things I realize is that I have, a, I have a, um, a real need to feel significant, but the way that's broken is I feel very afraid and anxious. So the way I manifest trying to get that need met is through control. So it's kind of like you, you sort of see a progression once you recognize what's the, what's the design? How is that broken? And then what are you doing kind of in response to filling that yeah. broken need?
1: Um, I love in that is, is it so removes the shame element to look at what you just described as like the whole package. And what Matt and I, my husband now, which I'll get into that, uh, will say it's not as what you run to is not as important as the reason you run.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Like, okay, because we can just be like, oh, you ran to porn. Shame, shame, shame. Just stop it. But then we cut off the whole like line of introspection to look at, okay, well, how can we redirect this to get this good need met? As opposed to just being like, it's all bad.
0: <laughs> right. Because what you might discover is the reason you're going to porn and maybe even the reason you're going to the kinds of porn you need yes. is because behind that, there's actually a legitimate good need, but it gets drowned out by all of what you're running to. And that's usually the focus where, and this, and to be honest, that's usually the focus where a lot of Christians put a lot of their emphasis is on what you're running to and then completely ignoring all of the deeper legitimate, you know, good desires yes. that got skewed along the way towards that.
1: Which what you and I are talking about right now takes training. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. it takes time to even learn to introspect. So if people are listening and they're like, oh my word, that's so over my head. It, like that resonates with us because I'm sure you like me early on in my journey, I was like, so, so I'll fast forward to some of that if I can keep the story going. Of where yeah, sorry. Is. I was
0: getting into, you know, no,
1: with you, man. let's
0: do the nuts and bolts and I want to, <laughs> let's get back to your story. So keep going. Yes, please.
1: Well, I'm with you. I'm always there. So fast forward then uh, to being in college And I have uh, another girl, I'm going to Christian university and I love Jesus like as much as I knew how. And I, um, I felt these glimmers of attraction throughout my life and I meet this other girl and it's what started as a friendship, uh, progressed into a same sex relationship. She loved Jesus. I love Jesus. And what you started off the program saying like these polarities of like, I I knew the polarities too is it's you either don't love Jesus and you are engaging in some sort of quote unquote homosexual lifestyle, which equals promiscuity, et cetera. And like often drugs, or you don't feel this because you're a Christian. I only knew past tense stories of like, and and then this is who you are. So I, I didn't fit my own stereotypes of LGBT people. Like I just, I was so confused because I didn't grow up hearing This is a sin struggle you could wrestle with. It was, Mm -hmm. no, it was them and then us. But somehow I was part of us, but I was also part of them. And so I reached a point where I was either going to kill myself because I didn't know how to stop. Like I didn't, I would like look, I literally looked down (laughs) at my body (laughs) during like worship. And I'd be like, where's the gay part? Can I Mm. like that out and um because i couldn't stop the attractions and so i thought i did stop the attractions i had to kill myself or Mm. come out and um stop hiding the relationship and and just dive in and um but remember how i said i like really did have a spirit of god like in me there's like this whisper that would just say i've got something better for you Mm. now i need to be Clear, also say i also heard other voices in that season of that were not god but i thought were god and it was they were very loud and um like you should kill your like lots of death talk mm-hmm. <laughs> i didn't know how to wrestle with it so in that mucky state one of my friends was like um you might want to see someone for the whole like depression thing <laughs> and i was like mm, probably I shouldn't want to die And I met with someone not to help with the same sex stuff, honestly, but to help with this ache, this ongoing ache I had inside. And then this wrestling that was like secondary. And this woman came alongside me and she did not teach me how to become straight. She taught me how to feel what we've been talking about. Those good needs in my heart helped me to remove some barriers between those good needs and the only need meter of our souls and it wasn't in some sort of reparative therapy or anything really fancy beyond teaching me spiritual disciplines which some of them included the gift of lament (laughs) like learning how to grieve some of that pain from my childhood that we all have and growing up and even grieve like that alienation i felt in the church um she taught me that some of those voices that I thought were God were not really God. And it wasn't just by telling me that she taught me not just how to know God, but how to experience the love of God. And um,
0: and you know what? And we'll get into this probably a little bit later in a in a future broadcast where I want you to kind of unpack some of the nuts and bolts of, you know, what does that walking with look like? Yep. But I think some of the things you're saying here are are really important for us to understand because... I think you 're right, I think a lot of people see this this absolute dichotomy the the you know of the either or like the us and them like very clear lines and and find it hard to recognize that there 's this very wide and very like you said mucky middle um, that is you can 't you just simply can 't navigate as clearly or as cleanly as we would like on either end of this spectrum and I think what I love hear, hearing you say is that, and and by the way, praise God for this wise person in your life who is actually able to introduce you to relationship without creating a preconceived outcome. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the biggest challenges we have in the church today is because, sure, we might be able to go to the Bible and see, by the way, in all areas of brokenness, some clear lines that God has given to us regarding behavior regarding desire regarding some of these things and and it's not by the way it's not just lgbt stuff it's like there's plenty of behavioral things that god says i have not designed you for that and we can very easily look at that and then make our assumptions about a person based on their struggle that aren't really fair and at the same time aren't really helpful because we're not see we're not helping bring people into that deeper relationship with yeah. Jesus and, and recognizing none of us have any power over outcomes. No. And I think we like to create a false vision for another person yeah. because we're afraid or we're disgusted or whatever else by a particular struggle and behavior that then we are absolutely distracting them from relationship that lets God be the one to, in his pace and at his timing, begin to transform the heart in a way that none of us could ever force on another person. We can't even do it in ourselves. So what would you say to that in terms of helping people maybe be better able to sort of sit in the muckiness, um, whether they're the person that's struggling or they're the person that's seeking to come alongside a person who's struggling?
1: Uh, My favorite Bob Goff quote is, you know, everyone's so concerned about protecting baby Jesus, but I've been reading Revelation and I'm convinced he's out of the crib. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) good. Yeah.
1: Serve alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. I think a lot of us, a couple of things, like you said, some of it's anxieties. We're like, "Ah, this is a messy middle and I don't even know how to deal with my own mess. Why would I want to walk with you? I think we're impatient uh, in that we are not willing to do the hard, narrow uh, walking with, like, th- think about the the creator of the earth came to, came to earth and walked with, like, Peter and John, and they're like, oh, am I the greatest in the kingdom? Uh, I just saw Elijah and Moses, can we make you some tabernacles? Like, if we are, he was willing to suffer with us in the long arduous journey. Why are we not willing to also suffer with each other and surrender? And this is a big one is that he is the sovereign creator. It says in Ephesians that he is far above any ruler or authority. And, and so to trust that when we're walking with someone, even though all we can maybe see is gender identity, gender, 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 or sexual. Oh my gosh. They're having sex with someone of the same sex. Like that's all you can think. That may be where you want to step in first, but that might be 25th on God's list. Mm -hmm. Are we willing to do that suffering with and help someone to encounter the love of God? And that is, because the reality is, is if we focus on the behavior level, we're going to make little Pharisees as Mm -hmm. opposed to little Christ. And um, Jesus is not a big fan of... um, Oh, he's a big fan of all of us, but of making little rule followers. Well,
0: and that's and that was one of the main reasons why I even wrote the book, Grace Based Recovery, because there is this dichotomy that we say we're so focused on performance, we're focused on behavior that we want to see those outcomes. And guess what? Did you know we can actually create those outcomes? We can create those behaviorally polished outcomes. And then you have these whitewashed tombs and then you have these, you know, duplicitous people that are, you know, hypocrites. And, and so, and, and every single person that I've talked to that has gone on what I call sort of a true journey of recovery, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me how their initial intention is things should be moving forward. And Jesus takes our hand and kind of turns us around and takes us backward. And what I mean by backward is he takes us into our histories and I didn't want that in my recovery. I didn't want that in my journey. I was like, I I feel, and I, I can resonate with you in terms of the depression. We don't have the same story in terms of the the specific struggle, but the weight of it and the depression and wanting to just, I don't want to live like this anymore because I can't understand it. And it'd be easier maybe just to get rid of my life. Yeah. So when I finally entered, got to a place of brokenness and really started to think about what does what does the next step even look like? I mean, Jesus met me in a very profound way. And I'm like, great, Jesus, let's move forward. And he says, oh, we got a lot of history to take care of. And I thought, I don't want to go back there. So continuing in your story, what did the journey look like from this point of having this person come into your life and really kind of just start to walk with you and kind of help you um, distinguish God's voice and kind of where did things go from there?
1: A critical moment for me in the midst of that was reinviting inviting the real God into my story because for some reason women wrestling with sexuality and then anyone wrestling with same-sex anything is a big no-no in the church. Mm-hmm. Especially back, you know, this was about 10, 12 years ago, but even now. And it's, I feel like now maybe the, the greater one is wrestling with gender, which is not part of my story, but I can relate. So I had to reinvite God um, in simple ways, and one way was, "God, do you know what I'm wrestling with right now? Like, do you know what I want to engage in, like all the time? And then I'm really, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And um, I didn't hear a backhand. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel His anger. I felt, I know, I know." And his ability to not bite his nails and freak out about, you know, he, he knew my journey and the woman who walked with me knew she could trust God with me as she walked with me, no matter the result. So through that process of coming forward through the deepening, looking backwards, looking inside, uh, I began to fall in love, not with men, but with God. Mm-hmm. And I, um, says in Ephesians 3, may you know this love that is so great you will never fully understand it, but then you'll be filled with the fullness, the life, and the power that come from God. God's love empowered me not to become straight, but to become surrendered so that I can every day die to my natural defaults mm-hmm. and say, God, will you fill me? And so... um, I started to get joyful and, um, I was like, I'm one of those happy single people (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. many happy single people now, but even back then it was like, that was, you know, I was like, I don't care. I just want to follow Jesus. And yeah, maybe I'll move to one of the coasts now. Like I was planning on doing like with my girlfriend or whomever. Um, but I'd broken up with her. And, and I jumped a part of the story where there, before this season of healing actually dated a guy uh, and his name was Matt. And, um, it was a strange dating relationship in the sense that I had this secret girlfriend. He was interested in me and I was like, oh, okay, no, <laughs> I'm like you have no idea. I know I look good on the outside. You don't know what's going on inside and what I'm, what I'm engaging in when I'm not on stage at my Christian university. And um but there was something even back then that didn't draw my heart to all men, but to Matt. And we began this friendship that turned into like a dating relationship that I broke up with this girlfriend, Matt and I started talking also side note, my story is not prescriptive. <laughs> Please do not do what sure. I did. only the things that look like surrendering to Jesus do that. That's it. Okay. So I started in- talking with him and um, I got to a point, where, you know, I told him right off the gate, I'm like, A, I don't want to get married. B, I don't want to kiss until I'm married. So, <laughs> and the reason I set those stipulations is I, I just didn't, marriage looked terrible, but the I didn't want to numb out my pain with the ex-girlfriend with a guy. And so we started this friendship. It got to a point though, where I remember marking in a journal that I don't want to get married, but I want to marry Matt. Mm. And by that I meant, if I do get married someday, it won't be a stereotypical like batting our eyelashes at each other and how people say how horrible they right. them into marriage. And then you're like, haha, you're stuck in this covenant. You got to figure it out. It was, um, there was something I felt like God was doing, but then I prayed about it. God I sensed God saying no. So I broke up with him. And that's when the gutting of my soul happened with mm. this person, because it was like, I'd never dated. him. God just like, pushed pause and gutted me. And I'm so glad because had we gotten married back then, I honestly think I probably would have cheated on Matt within the first year and it would have been done. Mm. So God gutted me. And then he put his hand on my shoulder as I'm like getting joyful. I'm going to go get my PhD. I'll go be a professor. And I sensed him saying, I have someone for you. And um, here's the reality is marriage or singleness are equal modes we do the mission to make disciples. And really the question is not, you know, which is better. Oh, Lori's straight now. She married. It's how does God want you to metaphor his love for the church? Is it as a single person or is it as a married person? And I know mm-hmm. that God is doing his best refining work with me in marriage. And so he ended up through a series of events, bringing Matt back into my life. And it's been 10 years of, only easy marriage.
0: <laughs> wow. So it's a perfect story. It's a perfect ending, Lori. Okay. Yeah. Now, our, any listeners that have actually been with our program for a while know that nobody's story actually ends like that. So um, now get real with this, Lori. I mean, what's... <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that it has to be miserable, but the reality is, I mean, every season of life brings its own challenges, right? And I bet and and I'd love to hear what the challenge was for you in, in really then being obedient to the Lord, in that call, when I'm guessing, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, a a switch hadn't gotten completely flipped where, like you said, you didn't have the batting the eyelashes and all this kind of stuff. So what did that look like then for you, yeah. to begin to engage, you know, relationship with Matt and marriage and. Um, and just wrestling through that.
1: So I I always start when people they they're like, wait a minute, you say you still wrestle with these attractions toward women, like if you struggle with lust, it's still toward women. Like, what the heck? How do you do that? And I always say, what's the purpose of life? Love God, make disciples, mm-hmm. be in community. What's the purpose of marriage? Love God, make disciples, do it in community. And also, we get this privilege of serving as a metaphor of God's love. And so actually it's interesting because Matt and I didn't get tricked by hormones into marriage. Well, I didn't, I don't think he did either. He knew, he knew what he was getting into as much as you can know. Good. Um, But because of that, uh, there was actually some advantages to our type of marriage. People call it a mixed orientation marriage, which really it's just, it's two broken people getting married and surrendering their brokenness to Christ. Yeah. Because we knew that it was about more than us, it was about linking arms and running toward Christ. Um, and so it wasn't a matter of like, well, how can we fall in love and stay in love? It was like, okay, God, wh- how do you want this to work? So you know, there has been some challenges. Like you can imagine the physical aspect; it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. But I actually just did some surveys of mixed orientation marriages, so marriages like ours, and straight marriages. Guess what each number one issue is? Sexual connection. Yeah. Same. Guess how mixed orientation marriages, though, rate their other areas of intimacy, such as communication, um, emotional, spiritual, and connection. We rate ourselves higher than the straight people do. Because we, I think, are aware of this place of challenge of the Mm -hmm. sexuality. And I think both often are. But I think maybe in straight marriages, you assume things. So how does it work? We lean into where we have strength. Mm. And um, that helps to connect and uh, show people... Right.
0: And that's pro- that's probably where we're going to have to land the plane on this one. But I definitely want to have you back to kind of start unpacking a little bit more of what does this look like now for those of us who want to do a much better job at building bridges with those of our neighbors who are LGBT and just, you know, how can we do that? So I'd love to have you back to be able to to do that. But before we end here, could you share how listeners can get information, more information about your story, more information about your ministry and resources.
1: Yeah, so Hole In My Heart Ministries, so himhministries.com. You can contact me and uh, just find out some more of our resources that we recommend. So, yeah, we'd love to connect with you.
0: Well, Lori, thank you for your story, and thank you so much for being with us this time.
1: You are so welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: And listeners, of course, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be
2: Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.